This program deals with devil worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. Americans are asking who attacked our country. You declared it subliminal jihad against the United States. Can you tell us why? Everything pertaining to what's happening has never come to the surface. The world will never know the true facts of what occurred, my motives. And night fell on a different world. And Iblis is thinking, you know, I should be getting this position, not Adam, and this guy is created from dirt. And how does the army feel about you being head of the Temple of Set? And the conspiracy theorists can say what they will. But... I want you to give me power over Adam, and I want you to give me soldiers and minions and all of these things. Because he has so much to gain and has such a material motive. Number three. All right. Uh, I guess you should read this. Speaking one. of interesting backgrounds. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can read this. Um, let's see. So, uh, Parasias, or Parisa Yas, either way, um, asked on November 27, 2021, Have you all read any Norman Rush? I know he's trendy with a New Yorker set, but I really love his novel Mating, so I looked into his other book, Mortals. Both take place in Botswana, and the latter is about the inner life of a CIA agent in Gaborone. Apparently, Rush and his wife were Peace Corps directors in the region from 1978 to 83. Seems sus, but his family background is socialist. Curious if you guys had any thoughts. Have you ever read Norman Rush? I have not. I have not read Mating. It is a first-person narrative by an unnamed American anthropology graduate student in Botswana around 1980. Interesting. This does sound interesting. It focuses on her relationship with Nelson Denun, a controversial American social scientist who has founded an experimental matriarchal village in the Kalahari Desert. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it has the narrative voice of the woman, which I guess felt uh, it was mostly acclaimed at the time it came out, derided by some as being mm-hmm. like white male uh, or just like male writer syndrome gone wild. Um, mm-hmm. But generally seems to be well regarded by the... New Yorker set, New York Times set. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't too familiar with him either. I read this like long article interview profile with him from 2013 in New York Times, uh, Norman Rush's Brilliantly Broken Promise, which like gave me an overview of his whole vibe. Like, I know I've heard his name before, but never like encounter any of his work. Uh, the book Mortals sounds actually, that one sounds particularly interesting to me because it's about yeah, it does. A, yeah. <laughs> a CIA agent um, in Botswana, I think, who mm-hmm. is like, I think he gets reassigned from like Eastern Europe or something. Like it's around 1990 when the Soviet Union is collapsing and it's about this guy, uh, yeah, being in Botswana. So that could be intriguing. And and yes, he, was, he and his wife were Peace Corps directors. They like happened to meet the director of the Peace Corps in the late 70s and they were looking for a married couple to be like co-directors in Botswana. And they wanted like a couple that was married more than 20 years and a stable marriage. And so they sort of qualified and like he, I think they met at Swarthmore college and like got married shortly after and lived in upstate New York for like 20 years. And he was always like writing stuff, but pretty much like unpublished by, he wrote poems and prose 
and they just worked in various little professions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then went to, you know, uh, Botswana in the late seventies, and he he took a ton of notes while he was living there, like boxes and boxes of notes, and then came back and like then he started working. I think he, his first novel was published like in his early fifties, so like a, a late bloomer. But I don't know. I mean, Peace Corps always got to be on the lookout for sus shit, especially in Africa. At the same time, they get these really idealistic people to be in the Peace Corps. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and so I don't know. And, he, and he, he is from a socialist family. His dad was like the treasurer or the secretary of the California Socialist Party. Mm. And I guess he has a certain bit of valence uh in his writing like those types of sentiments i guess yeah Um, do pop up in his novels i'm reading about mortals right now um a keen african file and linguist so ray finch is a hero of the novel um he's a teacher of english at an anglican school in southern african southern african nation of botswana he harbors frustrated literary ambitions and sardonically reflects apropos of a huge opus sent to him from san francisco by his younger brother rex that he is on the point of being dragged into collaborating with someone seeking the lowest form of literary immortality as established and pioneered by the annoying james joyce who thought it would be such a good idea to create puzzle palaces for thousands of specialists to wander around in forever a contract CIA agent, Ray let slip that the 60s annoyed him. Interesting. Explaining, the 60s said that if you knocked down certain well-meaning but imperfect institutions, you would get something altogether more beautiful and wonderful flowering up to replace them. People never appreciated how touch and go it had been with the Russians at certain points. So yeah, he's an Africanophile and linguist. He finds it fucking annoying and unnecessary, the multiplicity of mutually uncomprehending cultures. His wife, Iris, thinks to his brother's trying to lure her away from Africa. Says the fear in the CIA, Chester Boyle. Has a stuffy secret consulting room, displays a multitude of annoying mannerisms. Even more annoying is a new arrival in town, Davis Morrill, a pale black American doctor who has a messianic scheme to rid Africa of Christianity and credulism. Uh, That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's all about this guy who wants to, like, eradicate uh, religion from religious superstition from Africa. And he's also treating his wife's hypoadrenia and cystitis. And I think he starts to suspect they're having an affair. Like, it's, It's kind of all about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. this that New Yorker like kind of reviewer hates the hero. He says, Ray is a control freak, a fuss budget, a tireless ruminator, an annoyance nurser, and most of his overflowing mental energy goes into anchors gloating over his happy marriage. He is crazy about his wife, we are reassured over and over. The fact that without her, the world will be unintelligible to him. Well, Norman Rush is a big wife guy. He He's all about his wife. Right. Uh, this reviewer yeah. is pissed off. He says, happy marriages in real life should be encouraged and celebrated as basic constituents of a sound society, but in fiction, they tend to rapidly decloy. Uh, okay. Is, yeah, like, he doesn't what, like that they have a happy marriage in the novel. But anyway, Jesus. so this is interesting. In his obsessive dithering over the exact state and direction of his wife's affections, Ray abuses his CIA powers, focusing all his attention on his perceived rival, Moral, while ignoring against Boyle's orders a benign agricultural theorist, the Scots-educated Botswana native Samuel uh, Carrick, Kang, who turns out to be the real disturber of the national order. Ray has even enlisted at the expense of American taxpayers a spy at Morrill's anti-credulism lectures. Sending in a live asset had been rational, granted that he had been in an irrational state himself over Morrill. Ray, frantic with love worry, heads north of the driver into the Kalahari where trouble has brewed. Just as mating's most vivid section was the heroin strike across that desert, Mortals takes on spaciousness and breathing room with Iris left behind. She has ever in Ray's thoughts, though, and the vivid, uh, viscid complications of his awareness contrived to slow, with insertions of remembered poetry, song, and details of childhood, 
the persuasively rendered action. There's a gun battle, a better armed group of South African mercenaries who have been summoned by the CIA and turn yeah. up. Yeah, and then I guess the reviewer complains that the CIA is portrayed uh, badly. Uh, she, uh, he or she, I don't know who. Complains. Uh, writes, uh, okay. this, our CIA novels literature, I haven't read many, but Rush seems to have the lingo down pretty well and the letter subterfugal tricks. However, Ray's apologetic I hate myself attitude about involvement with the agency seems, after September 2001, rather dated. Instead of being considered too meddlesome and sinisterly omnipotent, the CIA appears to have been, with other national watchdogs, sound asleep at the switch. The events in Mortals take place in 1992 to 1993, with the Soviet Union newly collapsed and white rule slowly surrendering in South Africa. Norman Rush, we learn from a note in the author, with his wife Elsa, lived and worked in Africa from 1978 to 1983 as as a member of the Peace Corps. One wonders if, with two novels that total 1,200 pages, he hasn't gotten most of what he is going to get out of Botswana. Maybe time for Rush to bring his logomania and global perspective back to the United States. His take on cultural developments in the West, as they are forwarded by the American correspondents of our overseas couple, is mordant and lively. Yeah, well, anyway, so, there you go. Stop. Yeah, uh, why, yeah. Why does this guy feel bad about being in the CIA? How dare he? He should be, you know, concerned about how they're Asleep at the switch. <laughs> um, That's weird that it's like the the justification the justification for being mad that the character is like anguished about the CA is like the CA completely failed to stop nine eleven so therefore he should have like loved them even more. though it's like, set like years before that. <laughs> Like yeah, he's still pissed like, off at the idea that like yeah yeah that's what we were talking about with the about vibe the shift right yeah. like after 9/11, yeah there's a real the vibe question. shift yeah huge vibe shift like liberal like New Yorker New York Times people being like erm yeah like why aren't you and this is like not CIA? immediately after either this is 2003 and this person is still like seething that like there's oh uh, like a, a too apologetic CIA officer or agent in it's interesting that he says i haven't read many but rush seems to have the lingo down pretty well i mean how would you know are you saying like it's just like um yeah i mean mean, maybe they do i mean he could have a like again i don't know like yeah i guess that is a sus background and then like to become interested in like writing but i mean could just be something observed i don't think it's necessarily sus to be in the peace corps but it definitely could be sus. Again, it's one of those things like when yeah. other things, maybe. If these just And like especially in like contested countries. That's where it can like yeah. my vigilance peaks up a little bit. Um yeah. I'd be interested to see exactly what was going on in Botswana in those five years. Like not saying necessarily yeah. they were up to anything, but sometimes like the Peace Corps, just like US aid, like can be used Absolutely. as a vehicle yeah. to do like more sus things under the guise of being like hippie granola. Like, we just want to build wells or something like that. Totally, like, yeah. All, they, they often can be instrumentalized in ways that they maybe don't even, like, are aware of or yeah. understand, right? And then, like, getting all this, like, literary attention for, like, his stories that were exclusively about that experience, you yeah. know, is also a Well, going fun. to Africa, I mean, I've been reading uh, Dennis Johnson's work about, well, his, like, journalistic expeditions to Liberia in the 90s and... Uh, it's interesting. I mean, he provides, he really lays that like Iowa writers workshop, like flair all over, you know, his descriptions of everything. It's like, okay, bro, we get it. You're literary, but you know, you do get kind of more, uh, kind of color and whatever, potentially. Um, there's also some like things that do not age, uh, very well at all, even though I feel like Dennis Johnson's like work there was like, 
pretty good for somebody who was just like dropped into you know west africa with very little context but i mean there's shit that i'm frankly shocked the new yorker would even like publish in 2000 like sort of like haha half joking like racist asides about like uh i don't know dealing with african bureaucracies that are mm-hmm. like yikes that use certain words that would get one canceled uh um, very <laughs> fucking quick today mm-hmm. <laughs> like yikes um but but i don't know so it can be a mixed bag i guess is what i'm getting at might be interested to check out mortals mating maybe though it sounds like it's about this woman who just meets like the ultimate chad idealized like what anthropologist type dude out there and like becomes obsessed with them i don't know Uh, yeah Uh, not having read it i can't i you know i should perhaps have like looked for it on on libgen to to read beforehand but or at least skim but I haven't done so. But yeah, I guess the 70s would have been only shortly after like Botswana's independence, right? So I think so. And I don't And they definitely have like, diamonds there too. Right. There's always that. There's yeah. always that. I mean, there's so. Sus- so I wonder how like noited he is from that's the other side of the coin is like okay, he could be sus from his time in Africa. He could also be like kind of noited because he like saw certain things there. Yeah. You know, from his perch at the Peace Corps, and maybe that's where he picked up some of that CIA lingo, right? Yeah. You know, is like you're you're gonna be interacting with like State Department people, which then means like within that there's some agency people always there. And uh and so maybe, you know, by socializing in those expat kind of circles, like maybe he, you know, picked up on some things. So it could be good, but I'd have to read it to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean if they were Peace Corps directors, that's pretty big role it's um, big to get plucked just out of nowhere to be like you guys are running this like with yeah, no experience then to win a whatsoever prize but i don't know yeah new yorker loved it i don't know yeah but they yeah. were yeah i guess they were negative i mean it seems like he didn't really do much until he did his subtle bodies of the third novel in 2013 what was that about um i forget uh a sophisticated romp through joys uh of marriage and friendship a group of college friends reunites two decades after graduation. Uh, okay. So this seems like it doesn't have anything to do with Africa at all. And it's just like, no, about someone dying. And then all these people, I'm just like, it it gives me this weird kind of like pain to hear about like these like literary novels from just like 15, 20 years ago. (laughs) Like, are people even writing things like that today? Because like, there can't be any money in it. I think no one reads. No you one know, reads. No, no one, one reads. Even that the stuff, internet like, has just like destroyed it. it. Like it wasn't as destroyed remotely in 2013 as it has destroyed now. Even during no, Jonathan Franzen's still. like height of fame, mm-hmm. like yeah. people read. Like now, everyone's mind has been fried. Their attention span. Even has the been New Yorker crowd itself. Yeah. I don't think they read like literary fiction novels like this. And I, I do always wonder about the economics of that. Like maybe things were cheaper back then or whatever. This guy didn't sound like he came from any family money or anything like that. Um, or, or anything like, it seemed like middle, middle, middle or lower middle class. Like it was kind of his background. Uh, so like the idea of spending like seven years on a novel, like, you know, like coming out with a novel. Okay. It does kind of well, but then like, seven years later you come out with another it's like dude how do you live like that is crazy i don't think the world allows for that anymore unless you have like substantial resources to kind of go off yeah. of he um, might have done like some work in the meantime i don't know but i think yeah, he had i think there, he there had day a jobs huge advance the next one i don't like you know that would have helped but yeah he yeah 
says on Wikipedia at least that he was like a book dealer. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, he was a he book was a dealer. So yeah, that's right. Um, okay, so he he day jobbed it. Okay, that's that's a, I mean, pretty much the only way I guess you could do it. But it just feels so daunting the amount of work he had to put in, and then like you know basically for like for unless you're getting a fat advance, which I I hear that you don't get anymore. Like those days are over, right? Mm-hmm. Like well, the, I feel the like there must be so things. much less money in it. I'm like I didn't even know what won the Pulitzer Prize in fiction this year. So let's see. It was Demon Copperhead, um, The Immortal King Rao, and Trust. I haven't heard of any of those. I had a feeling these were all going to be like sci-fi novels, but one really. Uh, well, that's like what I feel like is popular now. But I feel like historical no. novels are still hanging on a little bit. Like the mm-hmm. the soon to be, you know the holidays when you go looking for books like they're always up there and maybe historical novels just like you know spy novels i, I feel I like spy Damon novels copperhead be... is like an adaptation of david copperfield to like a uh, contemporary uh, context i guess david um, copperfield the the magician no the the dickens novel oh I, wait there's a dickens novel called david copperfield yeah what yeah, you never heard of that? The magician, did he name himself after that? I don't know. Maybe that actually is his name. Uh, David Copperfield, American magician. I had no, no idea. yeah, he, he did name himself after that. His real okay, name is David, David Seth Kotkin. So, oh, yeah. interesting. Um, He's pretty sus, uh, David Copperfield. Did well, he get me tooed? But then, like he go, he like did a he did some magic. And, like, yeah, he, he, he yeah he waved. He his threw magic a smoke wand. bomb on the ground. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. Into a top hat. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I, I just saw a big banner for him in the airport in Burbank, like his show in Las Vegas. So he's still definitely. I think he has a sus island in the Bahamas. Uh, something like that. Huh. Weird. Hernan Diaz won for trust, which is. Trust by Hernan Diaz is one of those novels that's always pulling a fast one on the reader. Take the opening section. You settle in, become absorbed in the story, and then a hundred pages or so later, boom, the novel lurches into another narrative that upends the truth of everything that came before. I mean, I guess people are still making movies out of books. You know? You still sometimes, yeah, maybe not. Occasionally, but often, way more often out of nonfiction. Yeah, that's true. Um, like, you know, the history of, like, the stapler. Like, you know, those types yeah. of movies. It's really funny how, like, books. it has to be based on some IP even yeah. if it's like the thinnest, flimsiest thing in the world, like and it really yeah. has nothing to do with it. Like, um, it just I was has re- this ineffable quality that like people in Hollywood love. That yeah, it, it's bizarre, but yes. yeah, they just and I guess you to get to own it. the underlying, like you get to kind of monopolize like that project, like better by I guess it maybe reduces the odds of somebody of like another studio just copying your original idea, like they the way they used to, like when Deep Impact and Armageddon came out at the same time. Yeah. You know, like if you have something that's like specifically historical and then you get the right, you get the option, the rights to like that book, then you have it. And like mm-hmm. th- that's yeah. bankable to some degree. It's still vague, but yeah, it sucks. Yeah. The Pulitzer Prize for Fiction comes with $15,000. So that's that's something. $15,000? That's like a year rent. That's like a uh, month in New... That's like two months in fucking New York City. Um <laughs> Jesus, um, three max. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, come on, give out a little more Pulitzer. What the fuck? I'm in the kind of mood to DDoS West Ada. I can blame it on Russia, Iraq, or Al Qaeda. Everybody here's got a price to pay. Live a couple years, not your ass in the cave. If you never think to question your cat in a cage, we're all afraid of death, but we all got an age. Think of what you say, that's how it works. Why not get an age? Fucking immature, but scroll to my feet. I see that's all we ever post. Screw me and roast. I'll make the moon loose. We act so fucking pure like I never heard a fly. The judgment is a curse. I can tell you there's a cure, but you're probably not alive. It's way too simple, man. You
Russia, Iraq, or Al-Qaeda. I wouldn't do it for the cash, or the clout, or the data. I just want to piss off all the people who made it. Hey, I feel that. Serotonin rods and the lights getting too soft. It's a supernatural shape, but I'm not ghosts. Never think to stop. Stop. Break into the unknown. We're all fucking clown shapes. Trying to make our mark on the cosmos. Repeating what you watching, and you call that shit your own. We got a generation of speed racers who shit out lyrics and ghosts. Soon you'll be on top. Now you're broke as shit and grown. You assume too much. Our options raise it. Homie, what you flexing that blade for? Do you want to move on to the next yeah, one? Yeah, sure. Um, all right. Oh, yeah. Wade Blazer asks on 12-1-2021, December 1st, y'all ever think about Occam's razor and the similar line about things caused by incompetence instead of malice is deployed for debunking. I personally hate Occam's razor. I think it's an intentional philosophical fallacy injected into the discourse. Sure, it works sometimes. I went, you know, just before we started recording, we went and looked at this one because I was wondering if that ellipsis meant like he continued talking about this uh, as we have it like sort of in our uh, document. Um, yeah. And I did see that uh, Loic mentioned, uh, you know, a Bert- uh, this is a Bertrand Russell psyop. And I was thinking about that even before I saw that I did think of Russell's teapot, which I feel like is something that people constantly like conflate with Occam's razor and like they're they're very different things whereas I think Occam's razor is I feel like I'm a bit more ambivalent about Occam's razor I can definitely see like the negative like uses of it but I also think there's a very vulgar understanding of what Occam's razor even is but Mm -hmm. like Bertrand's like Russell's teapot I think is the dumbest thing in the world I hate Russell's teapot I think it's incredibly stupid and what exactly is Russell's Russell's teapot. teapot is basically like a argument against the idea of God which is that like what if I posit a teapot that is rotating on the on the other side of the sun opposite the earth so we can never see it like you can't disprove that my teapot exists but like anyone who thinks that that's an effective argument against the idea of God does not understand what the idea of God even is like there's so basically no, flying spaghetti monster. It's the flying spaghetti monster more or less. Yeah, it is the Whoa. exact same principle. So um, yeah, or the dragon in the garage, you know, but like people okay. like don't understand like the actual like ontological like function that God has uh, the ontological role that like God plays and like what the meaning of God is and that God is a name for something that, Really, most of these people do in some way. It's just, you know, uh, so it's a very foolish and provincial concept of what God is. But you do see Occam's razor being invoked to like say like Occam's razor says there is no God. I mean, I know that this is probably he's probably thinking about like, (laughs) you know, conspiracy theories, things like that. But like, of course, William of Occam was not an atheist (laughs) at all. Good point. Um, and yeah like so the, you know people say like oh well positing extra entities or whatever like that was not what Occam I mean I don't think William of Occam ever even like used the term like I have invented my razor I think I think that like people <laughs> later on like called it that but like I think that I could be wrong so don't quote me on this but I think that Occam's well, razor was actually supposed to be about like monotheism it was about the idea that simpler objects like are you know more probable than complex ones and so therefore god sh- there should be divine simplicity i think that was part of the idea of you know the the razor yeah well even the wikipedia article of occam's razor even points out that um the actual principle is frequently cited as entia non sunt multiplicanda preter necessitatem which translates as entities must not be multiplied beyond necessity 
Although Occam never used those exact words, popularly the principle is sometimes inaccurately paraphrased as, quote, the simplest explanation is usually the best one. That's the one we hear all the time. Yeah. So I guess like the way they describe it is the philosophical razor advocates that when presented with competing hypotheses about the same prediction, one should prefer the one that requires the fewest assumptions and that this is not meant to be a way of choosing between hypotheses that make different predictions. Similarly, in science, Occam's razor is used as as an abductive heuristic in the development of theoretical models rather than as a rigorous arbiter between candidate models. Hmm. Interesting. So I guess it's like it's not meant to apply in like a comparative way. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Like something that requires the fewest like assumptions, uh, I guess. It's like on the one hand, it gets at something that I think is like generally often true, right? The like Mm -hmm. over needlessly over complexifying something can strip it of like explanatory power. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's something about, you know, yeah, minimal, I, think I think it's actually even in Islam, right? There's like sentence. a kind of a, a little more of a, a, you know, Occam's razor, right? Like Islam or like the Trinity and like all this other bullshit. Yeah, the Tawheed is like, yeah, Occam's maybe that razor. is where I'm trying to see if like this did have to do with, um you know, I'm trying to see like what the original again, it's unclear because he never actually used the term like or never designated uh, like himself right but yeah i feel like that thing about the competing hypotheses like are about the same prediction right like it's about like why like two different explanations for why something will happen but not Mm. supposed to be like you know what like choosing between two different outcomes of what might happen i guess but that seems like it might be again it's just wikipedia and it seems like that might be like you know just based on like the sort of scientific context yeah let's see uh and controversial writings yeah apparently he was pretty controversial at the time appears as an advocate of secular absolutism he denies the right of popes to exercise temporal power or to interfere in any way whatever in the affairs of the empire this is from the new advent.org so also not a super reliable source but anyway like mm-hmm. this is pretty like tradcath he even went so far as to advocate the validity of the adulterous marriage of Lewis's son on the grounds of political expediency and the absolute power of the state in such matters. In philosophy, William advocated a reform of scholasticism both in method and in content. The aim of this reformation movement in general was simplification. This aim he formulated in the celebrated law of parsimony, commonly called Occam's razor, but again, he didn't actually formulate it. With this tendency towards simplification was a united, a very, uh, the tendency towards simplification was united a very marked tendency towards skepticism, a distrust, namely uh, the ability of the human mind to reach certitude in the most important problems of philosophy. He denied the existence of intentional species, rejected the distinction between essence and existence, and protested against the Thomistic doctrine of active and passive intellect. So this is like a Thomas Aquinas like feud as well. Mm-hmm. So his skepticism appears in the doctrine that human reason can neither prove neither the immortality of the soul nor the existence, unity, and infinity of God. These truths he teaches are known to us by revelation alone. Um, that's new advents sort of representation, um, of him. But Mm. I feel like you need to like get into, I feel like people probably debate what he even meant. (laughs) Like I have a feeling that it's not like, uh, the best, uh, representation of his views, but I guess it wasn't necessarily about divine simplicity per se, but about Mm -hmm. like simplicity, like, you know, as like an abstract principle and in the same way, although it might apply to that. Um, but yeah, certainly like he was not um, a, you know, someone who was saying like God doesn't exist because of this. And I don't think that he was really saying that like we shouldn't apply philosophical ideas or like, you know, uh, to think about like the uh, think about theology at all. But, you know, sure. I don't know when it gets to things like 
I don't know, explaining history or like the way events go down. I think it has definitely been uh, marshaled into or weaponized into being an op in, in its very vulgar sense of like a conspiracy can happen because it's complex. Yeah. So therefore it must be the easy thing that was like hand, you know, given to like the easy, very clean explanation that was given to us, like must be true because simple things are more accurate than like complex. And it's like, that is not, there are definitely like situations where the more complex explanation is true like maybe probabilistically speaking like but i mean i also feel like in most of these cases where you're saying like okay well this is unlikely for other reasons despite being more simple right there's it's not just a matter of assessing what is more complex and what is more simple right or what is more easily explained and it's also a totally different context from like uh I mean, it does kind of have to do with the idea that, like, it kind of goes back to, like, Chomsky and Galileo in some way. It does kind of have to do with the idea that, like, nature tends toward, like, simplicity, um, which is, you know, or a certain elegance, um, Mm -hmm. which I think there is some uh, truth to it. But, like, also, um, it doesn't mean that, like, you know, human behavior always follows that rule. Like, I feel like this could apply in different scientific contexts differently from how like human beings interact doesn't always and also like even if we're talking probabilistically doesn't mean that like always the simple explanation is true right it just means like you know this is a guideline for some people to hypotheses right but yeah, yeah yeah i mean it kind of clashes against like yeah once you start describing it to human activities it really clashes against like the cyberneticist insight that like sort of humans are like i mean not not to be a sloppy disk, you know, believer here, but like that humans in a sense are like extremely complex machines, you know, in the broad sense of the term, like, uh, but emphasis on extremely complex, you know, and we're in, in interaction with nature and our environment and all these other things that we still have like a foggy idea of in terms of psychology and how the brain works and everything. So to be like, oh yeah, like the simplest explanation for like human activity is always, it's like, no, 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 that's where you know, it gets, it can get extremely, you know, complex and uh, multifarious. And I noticed here though, down in the Wikipedia article, something I wouldn't have quite maybe expected is that I guess uh, Occam's razor was like influential in the development of quantum mechanics by like Planck and Heisenberg and Mm. stuff. And reading this, I can see why, but on the face of it, it seems kind of funny that Occam's razor you know, given what we've talked about with like Cope Morhagen, that Occam's razor would be sort of invoked to back up something as complicated as quantum physics. Like, I, I mean, I guess from the perspective of the quantum physicist, what was the like uh, for what very specific? Does it say or? Well, I mean, it says in physics, parsimony was an important heuristic in Einstein's formulation of special relativity. Uh, in the development and application of the principle of least action by Pierre Louis Maupertuis and Leonard Euler, and in the development of quantum mechanics by Max Planck, Werner Heisenberg, and Louis de Broglie, and I guess in chemistry as well. But let me see a little more down here. 
Yeah, interesting. There, there are notable exceptions where Occam's razor turns a conservative scientist into a reluctant revolutionary. For example, Max Planck interpolated between the Vienne and Jeans radiation laws and used Occam's razor logic to formulate the quantum hypothesis, even resisting that hypothesis as it became more obvious that it was correct. But it also says that appeals to simplicity were used to argue against the phenomena of meteorites, ball lightning, continental drift, <laughs> and uh, wow. reverse transcript days i think it was that a d that's an rna dna yeah, thing i think so yeah so it, it so it's like okay it, yeah appeals to simplicity we're like erm like meteorites don't exist my dude and it's yeah, like okay, exactly. but they do like so yeah it's a it's a weird thing to be like this is my sort of like first principle is that like the simplest thing is absolutely always correct like you're gonna get shit wrong i think by approaching things that way um so yeah oh, it's, yeah they actually are saying neither the wave nor the particle explanation suffices right so they, ha- they have to have both right so that's more complex not more simple for their Mm-mm. quantum mechanics uh, in a way so yeah i don't know but again in that case uh, i feel like the uh simplicity of the pilot wave theory the deterministic pilot wave theory perhaps uh would prevail but it is interesting that like the idea of occam's razor if you want to make like an anti-occam's razor argument i am you know again i'm not like super like up on like medieval like christian like theology or philosophy like at all you know just in a like in a the same the way that you would be from like having the familiarity that i have with like uh you know, medieval uh, Muslim uh, theology uh, and like, you know, kind of having a little bit of an interest in like seeing people discuss these things today, like running across it. But uh, so I have gotten like a little bit of like a I'm leery. I feel like nominalism is often invoked by like Catholics today as be as like a boogeyman kind of. So I feel like, you know, an Occam is like a nominalist. So I'm a little bit like leery of like arguments about like nominalism ruining everything because I've always kind of felt like it must be like more complicated than that and like not wanting to throw my hat in Mm -hmm. with like the like grand invective against nominalism of, uh, you know, these sort of uh, contemporary sort of Catholic uh, polemicists. But, you know, I do think it's interesting to make it, you know, if you wanted to like uh, invade against Occam's razor in the way that it's invoked, you know, to... Uh, dismiss certain uh, analyses of events or things like that. Uh, it is interesting that, like, you know, that sort of new advent take on him of, like, you know, someone who, you know, like, uh, was trying to, like, create, like, totalitarianism and, like, absolute power for, like, the state. I mean, I guess, you know, they frame it in a certain way, like, vis-a-vis the Catholic Church, of course, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. it is. Um, yeah, and, I mean, also, Loic mentioned Bertrand Russell, who... Uh, if I recall correctly, was a, a huge bugbear of Lyndon LaRouche back in the day. Mm-hmm. He's one of these Malthusian sick fucks that, you know, wanted to, uh, you know, plunge the world into like a globalist hell or something like that. But yeah, I guess he he had the, the flying spaghetti monster tea kettle. Very cool. He was a pacifist who opposed the Soviets. Very cool. Yeah, I don't know. British aristocrat. Do you have anything on that um, on Rus- to say about Russell? Just that I hate Russell's teapot. I don't have anything, like, necessarily. I mean, I know he's come up a couple times before about how he's sus, but, uh, and I'm sure he is in certain ways, but, um, yeah, I just, like, when I heard about Occam's Razor, I thought about Russell's teapot as also something that, like, you know, is sort of invoked in these, like, atheist, like, these sort of very stupid atheist arguments. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was, like, the only reason why uh, he occurred to me. But I think that that idea of the teapot is incredibly, like, insipid and stupid you know yeah it doesn't do much for me yeah like uh not not very compelling 
Yeah, yeah, and and I I've had it thrown at me so many times, like the 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 vulgar Occam's razor of like uh, my dude, like it couldn't be a conspiracy because Occam's razor, and like when something gets to that level of being just like a a meme is itself like a vulgarization of like the original idea. It's like not even what the original idea was basically, at but all. it's just a way yeah. to like it, it's like an erm weapon uh, to basically yeah. say that like simpler unfoldings of events that's more accurate than um a kind of convoluted you know confluence of forces like history really does not bear that out i don't think like on any whether you're looking at structural stuff or you're looking at more like micro like conspiracy type you know political things and stuff like that like all this shit's mad complex like i don't i just don't see the uh the value in maybe scientists i, I could see it in well, scientists yeah, and if you have even at looking at some conspiracies i have to actually i have to confess that like i probably do employ a, a certain think, degree of occam's razor yeah. about conspiracies right i think mm-hmm. we both do of course like, i think everyone does in, on some level like if you're saying that like oh it's like you know something's needlessly complex it's kind of like almost how i feel about controlled demolition that to me is like well, a I know, bit I know. Of the I, I see. For me, situation. the Occam's razor would be a little further out to like the planes were holograms is where it gets Occam's razory for me. Mm-hmm. Of like, there's ways to do this attack that like don't involve a hologram plane. Which like, if maybe that exists, I wouldn't rule it out. But I've never seen a hologram plane, so like, you know, and especially not in 2001. So you know. And there's an explanation that, like, is equally adequate that, like, doesn't require, like, the holographic planes. They were drones. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, you don't even need to go. Like, there's there's multiple. But you could say, oh, they were hijacked. Like, are there drones? Like, either way. Um, Like, drone to me, that that is more, you know, that is more Occam's razor approved because I bet you Boeing did have, like, fly-by-wire technology by 2000 that... Like maybe it could like the drone program is already underway by then. Like, uh, yeah, like the latency was low enough that like they could probably, you know, hypothetically, just like how they probably had the technology to use like an EM pulse weapon to like kill Senator Wellstone. You know, that's a but then uh, when you start to get like more and more and more kind of complex or I think in talking about like I feel like I kind of of was applying it just now and like the like, you know, Paul Wellstone thing. It's like, do you need like the EMP weapon, like for this to happen, you know, but something that I would say is that like, okay, I don't think that it's necessarily an equally adequate explanation that, yeah, I think it is possible that that pilot just like fucking sucked. Right. And that plane just crashed, you know, because he sucked so much. Right. That does, that could possibly explain like, again, I, like I'd have, I've had to be like a plane. This is also brushing up against like having to be an engineer, having to have like evidence on the ground and things. But like, let's say that like, you know, let's just assume for the sake of argument that like that is an explanation that like would work in terms of the practicalities of it. It's still not the most adequate explanation to me necessarily because there are other factors that like, uh, you know, seem to suggest like, for instance, it being right before an election. Right. Like, again, there's yeah. or maybe I am just using a different version. They're not of being ice storms like, that day. Like, yeah, like or. Maybe I'm using a different version of the razor where it's like just because, okay, like what are the odds? Like, is it really simpler or like that, you know, this would happen like right before the election, like in a small plane, like, you know, to this particular person, like on these circumstances that like they would just happen to have a pilot who was like so bad he literally couldn't fly a plane and crash by accident. You know, that's true. There's there's a slight 
Like, there's a slight distinction between I I think uh, it's also kind of like coincidence like, theory in some ways. Yeah. Like, um, well, I, I think there's like an maybe we need like an X Y axis of like one one of the axes is like like simple to complex and the other one is like likely to extremely rare kind of mm-hmm. thing and then i don't know maybe even another axis uh, axis for how synchronistically like curiously timed this is to other things that are going on in the like context around it or something like that i suck right. at math well, and that's graphs, kind of so like, i don't know how you do that but well it's kind of getting to the point like is that okay but even if it's the simplest for one i don't even necessarily know that that is like simpler per se in this way like i don't even like to say that like okay a lot of things have to happen for like the most incompetent pilot in the world to like Mm -hmm. have the plane like to fail to let the plane move fast enough for it to stay in the air and to have it stall just because he sucks at flying so much despite the fact that he's gone through like all these like you know to make it through his whole career as a pilot up to that point like you know to that highly unusual it is yeah so is that more simple and also even if it were like is that still the best explanation like because it might not be because i feel like you know the Mm -hmm. other thing explains other certain things like other aspects of that that like aren't necessarily fulfilled in the other like uh, explanation right so it's Mm -hmm. not so i don't necessarily feel like this is again i almost feel like there's a subjectivity when you get to the level of like multiplying entities when you're talking about like is there one entity or are there more entities like in a sort of like philosophical, like theological way, or like when you're dealing with base ontology and things like that, then maybe like it makes sense, right? I, like the razor, like the, the example, of the Trinity, then I see like, yeah, it makes sense that there is one God, right? Like that is sure. above all multiplicities, that God has simplicity. That makes sense to me. However, I don't necessarily see simplicity when it gets to what it gets more complex or when it gets uh, more granular. I don't necessarily see that simplicity is uh, so simple as you could say, like, you know, the pilot error explanation is simpler than that it was blown up by Republicans, <laughs> like, explanation. No, you, you, can, you, know, you can't really do yeah. it without go veering into, like, coincidence theory of, like, well, sometimes the most absolutely random-ass things occur with nobody sort of trying to force them to happen. They just, like, randomly happen. It's like, sure... Every now and then a pilot sucks and crashes an airplane, but like, yeah, like a guy flying a U.S. senator two weeks like before an election, like, and it's like not the weather conditions aren't that bad and he just fucks up and crashes the plane. Like, Mm -hmm. that's an extremely rare set, like, you know, confluence of circumstances like a week after Cheney like threatened that he'd get him, you know? Yeah. And oh, like it happened to kill this like very influential senator at this particular time. That was when this guy who couldn't fly a plane well enough to keep it moving, <laughs> like, you know, fucked up and killed a bunch of people. Um, Worst luck in the world, huh? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, you're just like, all you have is like an appeal to like bad luck. I guess it wasn't his day. Maybe if you had up the numerology and the date, it was bad and it formed 666 and he shouldn't have flown, you know, who knows? But uh, it, it does get to a point where it's like, that doesn't provide more explanatory power or it also, there's like an interesting contradiction with like people that love to debunk and never accept any kind of like conspiracy theory thing. Uh, invoking Occam's razor constantly, but then, like, the thing they always say about, like, conspiracy theorists or whatever, or whatever the straw man, is that they crave simplicity, and that's why they come up with 
like conspiracy yeah, theories, it's but it's fun, like, which yeah. one is it? Which one's more simple, right? Because if it's right. more simple, then it's right, right? You know, I so, don't uh, know. It's contradictory. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I feel like it's because the simplicity thing is that like, oh, like there's intentionality to these things when actually they're accidental. But even uh-huh. though, but a lot of the time we're talking about this, there is just another intentionality, right? It's just a different explanation, and there's still an intentionality. Whereas sometimes, like people say, oh, these things are accidental. I don't know, like, but that's rare, likely the case, I think. Usually with conspiracy theories, it's like, did Lee Harvey Oswald kill JFK or did the CIA kill him? You know, that's still intentionality. Yeah. So it's not one isn't more simple than the other at all. Like they're still like, you know, so they're both complex like, because doesn't, one, one doesn't give well, you feel a greater feeling of control over the world, you know, like, or anyway, no, no, you know? they're both um, like both are demoralizing. Like yes. that's the thing. It's like the, the official narrative. And I think oftentimes even the official narrative is, you know, these, uh, these psyop masters or whatever, these false flag masters, like they probably just like what the gladio people used to say like you want to like scare and demoralize everybody so that they just like don't know what's going on and they like flock to the security state you know for protection and like you don't necessarily want to provide like a nice satisfying like explanatory resolution to it like you it's it's, it's a dissonant chord being struck on like the body politics like mass like psychology and so, like, you want it to be somewhat just like, wow, like, humans are so fucking inscrutable and evil. Like, you just can never tell. Like, it could be your neighbor. Like, all you know, with school shootings, with terrorist attacks, like, all that kind of shit. Like, they don't necessarily uh, even want to... Uh, I mean, it kind of reminds me... I mean, again, this is... It actually is appropriate to, like, the sort of theological context of, like, Occam's original idea... Because it reminds me of a lot of what people say about religion. That's like, oh, that's that's great that that works for you. That's great that you need that, you know. And it's like, okay, it's great that you need to not believe in God so that you can justify everything that you do or whatever, so that you can feel like, yeah. I mean, most religion, traditionally speaking, emphasize that believing in God can be scary, like God fearing, right? Like there's a yeah. scary element to believing in God. It's not necessarily comforting, you know. It's people don't believe in God. I I don't think for comfort people don't believe in God for comfort, right? They believe in God for various reasons, right? Many people have different conceptions of God. People talk about God, they're always talking about the same thing. Um, when people talk about things that aren't God, sometimes they're talking, like, it is sometimes what they're referring to, like the ground of being or whatever. They might be referring to something yeah. that others would recognize as being God. However, I don't think it's, that it's just something that people are seeking comfort per se. Maybe, like, you know, if it's a cultural thing. There might you know, be a part of they're, it. They're, there part of it. Especially because, like, a lot of churches, like, lean into that in America these days of, like, just emphasizing the comfort factor and, like, how, like, nice and cozy it is to be a part of it. Like, it'll make you feel Well, good. I think that that is the community component, right? I think that there's something comforting yeah. about the familiar and religion may be what's familiar, right? But I don't think that, that you know, that's not about religion per se or inherently, right? That's no, about I agree with your things. wider point that it, yeah. it, it's not like um, that's the primary force why people are like, you know, right. historically. It's not, it's not more comfortable than, for instance, like, you know, if you're raised like in a, in a secular, athe- I can attest to this. If you're raised in a, a secular household, it is not like more secure, comfortable or familiar to convert to a religion. I don't think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's for sure. Like, that's for it sure. would be yeah. more comfortable and familiar to remain an atheist. Anyway, yeah. I, I thought this was actually an interesting point. This is from the Cambridge Companion to Occam. Uh, and I think this re- relates very much to what you're saying. So it says, um, he says, Occam's razor is frequently expressed in the statement, beings are not to be multiplied beyond necessity. Occam himself never puts it that way, but often says equivalent things. Plurality is not to be positive without necessity. What can happen through fewer 
happens in vain through more. When a proposition is verified of things, more superfluous if fewer suffice, and so on. These formulas are merely statements of cautious theoretical method. Confining our ontology to what is really needed, after all, guarantees it will be populated only by genuine entities. Unfortunately, this approach does not guarantee we will have gotten them all. The razor is thus powerless for actually denying the existence of certain kinds of entities. All it does is prevent our positively affirming their existence. Nevertheless, some formulations of Occam's razor might at first be taken to warrant us from our conclusion. To say certain kinds of entities would be in vain or superfluous is to say there is no sufficient reason for them to exist. Thus, not only is there no positive basis for postulating them, but the principle of sufficient reason actually rules them out. God and nature, Aristotle said, work nothing in vain. Curiously, Occam does not cite this text, no doubt in part because he does not believe it is true, at least on the part about God. Furthermore, even if one did believe in unrestricted principle of sufficient reason, these versions of the razor would in practice be no stronger than what we have already seen. They would allow us to deny the existence of certain entities only if we were in a position to assess all possible sufficient reasons. But we are not. Eh. Yeah. Uh, so this is just the original debunker proverb, it uh, sounds like. Uh, well, it seems like it's been used to debunk, but in fact, yeah. it's powerless for actually denying the existence of certain kinds of entities. Uh, what it does at most is, is prevent us from positively affirming their existence. And we could deny the existence of certain entities if we were in a position to assess all the possible sufficient reasons, but we aren't. Um, and I think that applies yeah. to, like, well, that can be translated very easily into the sort of vulgar context in which Occam's Razor is invoked as well, right? A lot of the time, yeah. other Because it's always used to, like, yeah. deny the existence of things, but, like, that's kind of precisely what it yeah. can't do. He says, uh, the difference between Occam and those he criticizes is over which entities really are necessary, right? The razor by itself does not decide that. What one needs uh, for that, one needs further arguments, right? Yeah. So, well, kind like, of, you know, related to entities, there's a whole section in the Wikipedia article about leprechauns. Oh, yeah. Which I guess right. came up as Well, that's like the Russell's example. teapot thing of like, oh, this happened because of a magical invisible leprechaun, but it can also be explained by something else. So it's like, kinda, you know. Uh, it's flying spaghetti Get that anti-Irish bullshit out of here, Bertrand um, Russell. I see you. Yeah. Um, right. They say, like, uh, something could have been knocked down by, like, but, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like, it depends. It depends on what the leprechauns are being posited to explain, right? Sure. Um, yeah, of you could say, you like, just... um, I can't even think of a situation where, you, like, it seems like kind of a weird argument almost because you wouldn't, like, ask, you wouldn't posit a leprechaun apropos of nothing right you would posit it to explain yeah. something mysterious right yeah the only example they have is like oh a guy lying about like a leprechaun knocked down this this vase uh but you know he actually did it and it's like okay yeah that's one example but like what if he experienced a leprechaun yeah exactly you're like <laughs> you the vase I mean? was knocked down like you know by apparently no other force you wouldn't assume yeah. leprechauns no, and again, but, you wouldn't necessarily have any way of knowing that it was leprechauns other than perhaps a gin. But, um, well. <laughs> you know, but no, like, like, again, like, it's like kind of just saying like, oh, you're well, because no one saw the leprechaun. And then like the person comes in and they're saying there's a leprechaun. Yeah, the 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 better explanation is that they're lying. Right. That this is like sense. a straw man example. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're but twisting. But it could have been leprechaun a leprechaun. Discourse. It could have been it, a leprechaun. Well, I was thinking about Bigfoot <laughs> yeah, like, even before I read the leprechaun yeah. part. As also, the, like, yeah, there's other factors like how trustworthy is this guy? You know, like was he have a reason to lie to you? Who is he? What's his relationship to you? 
Is he your These are all very is complex your, questions you know, to be asking. Hmm, um, is he your best friend? Like, is he like yeah. swearing to you that he saw a leprechaun? Like, and now you disbelieve him just because it's simpler to say that he's lying? Is it really though? Because I don't know if it is. Some people see leprechauns. Okay? It depends on yeah. other information. I, I love. He's calling an well, entire island of people liars. Exactly. That's what they're he's d- doing. dismissing. Yeah, the indigenous embodied knowledge oh. of. The people of Patty of and Aaron's Bridget Isle. just lying, lying, um, lying. They can't pay their rent. Exactly. Of wow. Yeah, it really it. is mm-hmm. anti-Irish. It's like uh, yeah. deeply. Uh, someone um, needs to fucking bring that up on the talk page. Um, <laughs> ethnic discrimination is being invoked. Yeah. Um, I also wanted exactly, to mention. Yeah. yeah uh, like before we move on from this, the like sort of sub uh, the corollary idea of uh, things are like. Uh, Better explained by uh, stupidity uh, instead of malice or whatever. I don't. Yeah. I forget exactly how it's formulated. Like, um, never assume malice when it could also be explained by stupidity or whatever the hell they say. I want to like, shove whoever said that in the locker. Yeah. First of all, like, I don't like. There's many things to take apart with that, but I also feel like, for one, I I always like find it. I always kind of like bristle a little bit at like people feeling like superior about their intelligence. Because, yeah. like, so many people have, like, a, an overinflated idea of their intelligence. And, like, I think it's always important to, like, be humble about, like, how intelligent you are, right? Like, uh, yeah. and, like, to assume that people are stupid. And also, a lot of the things that, like, I remember people saying that, like, if you say, like, oh, they were lying, they'll be like, never attribute to malice what can be. Also, the, my main <laughs> point is that stupidity and malice are not mutually exclusive at all. In Absolutely. fact, they often go hand in hand. <laughs> In fact, I would say that like the the intelligence that really matters, you know, I think that some of these uh, medieval and also classical philosophers would agree with this, that uh, goodness and knowledge, like true knowledge is is about goodness. Right. And about being uh, benevolent. Right. And being a good person. So I think that like a lot of the time, like true stupidity is when you are like a malicious person. I think that you that is something that is very much borne out and also like a lot of the time like you know lying does not require intelligence and malice does not require intelligence at all right these can be both not like exceptional intelligence like yeah like all humans can lie some better than others but like it's it's definitely a skill that is within the grasp of the vast majority of humans i would say yes and also i think that sometimes malice in that sort of axiom is confused with like intent right like oh it was an accident versus it was on purpose and i think that's a much more like people will say like oh accidents are more likely than things that are on purpose which i think is i don't know like honestly the answer to that i mean obviously like uh, if you really get back down to the base ontological level this goes into a william of ockham world where i don't really believe like in accidents however like leaving that base ontological level aside like you're talking about human intentionality I don't actually yeah. know if it's true that things that are uh, more things that are accidents happen than things that are on purpose. I, I don't know how you would assess yeah. that. And it doesn't seem intuitive to me at all that accidents are more likely than things that are intentional. No. And, and like what, what even is intentional? It, 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 like there's le- yeah, exactly. shades to that. There's definitely that, shades to that. There's like a psychological component. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a mix, just like we talked earlier about people like, uh, like psyoping themselves into becoming walking psyops or something like that. Like that being a dynamic, uh, in addition to people like getting groomed or manipulated in a kind of malicious way. Like, I think there's a mixture of things going on of like conscious, an unconscious activity and a lot of like in between kind of maybe not 
yeah completely on or completely aware of like what you're doing but like vaguely aware exactly. of what you're doing like think about the u.s government and like exactly the yeah way if you that think are, and you're business and that's and all the other thing shit. with malice too like do you think you're doing the right thing like what do you, you people know? compartmentalize yeah and, and they're, they they're compartmentalized told, uh they're compartmentalized uh, yeah they're so compartmentalized yeah. as yeah, uh they might be literal Al- demons, Al- Al- but who did, Al- did he say the rfk jr no he said it he likes it he endorsed him uh he likes him oh really he endorsed him yeah um, he's a patriot yeah i was yeah, yeah. Uh, i was just watching him talk about how there's like you know someone was saying like uh people in the cia are so oh it was tucker he was saying it's a tucker because tucker was saying look i know many people in the intelligence community and they're and they're so pa- i think it was about 9 11 actually and he's like but they're patriotic good american citizens and i was like they're they're compartmentalized or something you know uh, yeah um, <laughs> well you know uh, yeah. a rare good point from from yeah. alice jones uh they are kind of i mean yeah i mean and, and they're told stories everybody's you join the military you're told the story you grew up in this culture. You're told stories like you join a company, like when yeah. culty Silicon Valley mega companies, like they try to indoctrinate you with their stories and like get you to view things in a certain type of way, and then that allows people to do work that they might otherwise, like if they looked at it from a different angle, might be a little bit like icked out by or have moral reservations about. But you can kind of go on sleepwalking if you're kind of reassured that like. No, I mean, even bringing up all that, like, Hannah Arendt, like, Nazi Germany shit about how, like, you know, there are probably plenty of people that just sort of, like, went with the flow and, like, didn't try to think too hard about, like, you know, it's, like, not to absolve them, but, like, that is a human dynamic of, like, not every single person in Germany, you know, even who was probably, like, conscripted in the military or whatever was, like, the most frothing ideological like Nazi of all time. It was like a spectrum. They, they all ended up being complicit in it though, which is significant. And like, you know, so it's not to excuse any of that, but th- that just shows you that there's like, cause then I think sometimes if you come at it with like, you're a fucking vicious bloodthirsty dog of like fucking imperialism that just wants to subjugate the, like that might be objectively true, mm-hmm. but a lot of people, they'd be very, they'd almost be shocked to hear that about themselves like what no like i i just stand up for like freedom and democracy like you know like people really are like psyoped like that and so sometimes you know you might have to take a little more like i don't know like a sophisticated or a delicate approach to like sort of trying to deprogram people a little bit or get them to like maybe question a little bit because you come on head on like fuck you fucking fascist like yeah you know then they're gonna be it's just like like a lot of conservatives today like calling all of them fascists like non-stop 24 7 while like i get the kind of old school like i don't know like middle 20th century kind of the bold the rhetorical boldness of just saying like the imperialist fascist dogs like are mm-hmm. at it again and stuff like that yeah. like i i have respect for say like the communists or whatever people in the third world saying that in the 20th century but like today when like white liberals are like saying that about like i don't know even like a, a huge asshole like uh ted cruz and he might he's kind of fashy you know or just but just like your regular like i don't know reactionary or something that they they all must be consciously like uh, you know polishing their leather bound copies of Mein Kampf like in their basement the huge swastika flag it's like well i mean uh, like i get the, the larger point i mean i don't know like uh i feel like yeah okay true like ted cruz probably believes like but i think again there's a little bit of uh 
people don't necessarily realize like uh, how similar their own ideas are to like, you know, like no one thinks of themselves as being a Nazi. You know what I mean? Like, so like uh, every even a fascist yeah, as far true, as possible true. as you can be from a Nazi. Like, so no one's going to acknowledge any similarities they might have with those ideas, even though I would agree. Yeah, of course they're not like, you know, uh, fully comparable. However, like I definitely think that even Nazis believe that they're doing the right thing very people like people might have malice for someone individually you know they might hate individual people like but they always believe that they're justified in that right in fact malice is really like a negative word where it's like you know no one would self-describe themselves as malicious right it's only like an accusation or a charge right uh or something that you disavow having right but you might be like uh like passionately opposed to someone or like you know really out to get someone but you believe that you're righteous in that right everyone no one ever thinks that they're bad you know they tend to unless you're like even and if you've done something bad it's a necessary evil right yeah no he does um or did i mean or if on the astral plane i'm sure he still does yeah psyop officer you know like yeah no it's very rare for somebody like even if they're like a sicko like satanist uh nazi loving freak or something like that like it's because they think that's like good for some reason which i yeah I god is evil and twisted. satan is good yeah yeah again like we've said as many times like morality. no one has ever like, uh, like i'm the it, bad guy yeah <laughs> like, thinking that like they're gonna you know they're signing a contract with an evil being you know or something like yeah, in the, yeah. like no one is willingly like making a compact with someone like you know an evil being who's like ontologically yeah wicked and is gonna damn them to hell or whatever it doesn't make any sense like you know it yeah um yeah it reminds me i guess me, it like, just means um, like deception and self-deception play are very important factors i think in sort of assessing like intentionality that are like uh, valuable to keep in mind even though you can still definitely judge somebody for like their actions right at the end of the day yeah of what they end up doing the you know the purpose of a system is what it does right so, yes. you know, if you end up doing some fashy shit, uh, then, or like arming death squads in like Central America, then you're a sicko. Even if you think you're like, but you might think you're just like the most down home, normal, good, patriotic person ever, you know? Though, honestly, in the 80s, there were people that I felt like did get off on being sickos, like fucking like Dewey Claridge and like some of these other people that kind of I like think- had a dark streak in them of. Uh, but I mean, they still thought it was good at the end of the day, just like in a very fucked up way. That right? Really no, I think that scrutiny. people get off on people do get off on cruelty, and sometimes you're right that there is like kind of a darkness to it, where it's like kind of the forbiddenness of it, like is mm-hmm. appealing for sure. But again, I think that's where like compartmentalizing comes in. Like again, even if you can acknowledge that was doing bad things. Right. Mm-hmm. Lot, like that's a universal phenomenon. Right. I'm never I'm not remotely suggesting that people don't c- routinely think of that, that they've done bad things, but they still want to believe that they're trying to be good. Right. They're good people. Right. If they like mm-hmm. uh, like at their core. Right. They're trying to do the right thing. Few people have given up on themselves and just accepted like I'm a fucking piece of shit. Like I'm fucking pure evil. Although there may be some people yeah. out there like that, but they're, you know, it's hard to imagine how such a person would like really find a reason to keep going. I guess maybe if they're just in a haze of like abusing substances, that could be something maybe. that like, or like it's a know. flex, you know, it's like, it, it's the classic thing of like, I was raised in an oppressive, like kind of psychologically abusive, like evangelical household. And now I'm like a bleh, Satanist because 
in their view of the world, like the Christians are the bad hypocrites, and so therefore, well, yeah, well, that's whoever's the opposite of the Christians, like, is relatively that's speaking different. I mean, like when people like for Abu Ghraib or something, you know, like uh, oh, I yeah. think that it's possible the people who were doing that like knew they were doing something fucking sick and cruel. But I think so. In a but whole, those it was part but, of like you know, yeah, like they it was it was compartmentalized within a larger self image, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and also the people were so dehumanized. That there are many yeah. ways of making it like they could reconcile that incredible cruelty. Like you said, the Hannah Arendt thing. They like there's psychological scaffolding that happens and also social scaffolding that happens that mm-hmm. allows like these horrible acts of like cruelty and violence and like just a man's inhumanity to man to take place, yeah. you know, and be reconciled with people's ability to like look themselves in the mirror, you know, and or, you know, keep going and yeah. believe that. In well, what they they're need doing it. and to do what they're doing and not like revolt against it um exactly they need to like have and also their like systems kind of, of control and like incentives also play a big role in that i think too oh um, i think it's very like yeah. multifaceted and like it, in a way it like there's a very complex like grooming process that would allow for somebody that if they were left in like ohio probably would never uh torture somebody and take pictures of it like smiling with a thumbs up or whatever but like in the right circumstances they could be you know not to get too milgram or stanford prison experiment you know psyopy with it but like i think there is like definitely an element of just like manipulating people in social groups in certain heightened situations Mm -hmm. to do things they maybe otherwise like would not be compelled to do and you can incentivize them to even sort of like embrace that behavior passionately yeah. uh without uh them being like 100% sicko malicious psychopaths uh like you can get non-psychopathic people to do shit like that which is you know kind of a little scary but uh mm-hmm. but still but uh more than anything it's complex right <laughs> yes it's quite complex inherently and like yeah and i feel like so the idea that like oh to say like something was for one i mean like to for instance like in 911 you know people say like oh it's less complex if it was like allowed to happen rather than like facilitated by the u.s government or something because like but i feel yeah. like again there still is an element of intentionality happening on the part of like the people who actually for the planes of the building so you don't it's not really accidental in any way and yeah, all, somebody like, intended it's like muslims like, are like a force of it. nature you know like uh it's the weather where, yeah <laughs> like we're just tornadoes you know like we, yeah. we don't count as having intentions and like, you know, like, of course, you know, no one in our government could have intended that to happen, you know, but it's also like, oh. is that less complex, really? Or is that just really. like, is, is the what's more appealing about that? It's simplicity? Or is it something else? I don't know. But yeah, in fact, I think, I think so. in a way, it's pretty comforting, one might say, uh, to, you know, blame, uh, you know, those yeah. forces of nature, those, yeah. even, even the Co- fact that like, complexity over complexity, even the fact that it gets right. represented that way is like, you know, it's a force of nature, like, or something like kind of shows how disingenuous or lacking honesty or real reflection that, uh, that kind of knee jerk idea is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it um, tells you, you know, you don't need to go any further. Like you don't need to look into anything yourself or, like make an effort don't don't even bother upsetting yourself just like here's a cute little story that will like it, it'll sort of black pill you just a little bit within a good range to keep you on the path we want you to stay on and you just don't have to you don't have to you know confront any like cognitive dissonance and just mm-hmm.
a great philosopher born in 1285 He said the likely explanations Are the simple ones right there before he rides He called his theory Occam's razor But if you ask me, old Occam was a fool That theory if he'd met the likes of you You said you loved me with your smile So I drew a strong conclusion That you'd be around a while I never saw the goodbye coming Till you walked out the door Now I don't think I'll shave with Occam's razor anymore Heart as bad as this. It's illogical and I dare say impractical to ever think he did. As you see, Occam was a friar, unaffected by the games a woman plays. He'd never fallen for a liar, but he'd never felt the sting of that play. Smile. So I drew a strong conclusion that you'd be around a while. I never saw the goodbye coming till you walked out the door. Now I don't think I'll shave with Lockham's razor anymore. Now I'm pouring whiskey on this lesson learned. And all I know is this cut. keep track like the yeah humans when we do this like yeah. somehow we always i guess i was one three five. Oh, we numbered them off oh, oh. i think it actually is number five. Oh, okay so yeah me. so this is six so, yeah okay right okay so we'll move on to our last question number five here from <laughs> origami rigamortis from december 3rd 2021 and they ask uh, have you had a cryptographer look at those weird Buffalo Club or Buffalo JA messages? Language has enough variables for someone who might be able to make a code out of it. I have no idea why, and this is wild speculation, but it could be some sort of weird code. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So for people that that don't know what uh, this <laughs> is referring to, this is from one of our earliest episodes, one of our earliest uh, Alwara Frequency Patreon episodes. Uh, the Den of Daemons, which I feel like it was like number 12, maybe. It was maybe episode 12 of SJ. And um, 
that it, it's a topic that we're I think we're going to be returning to this summer. Um, we have a, a crypto journalist that's going to come on and we're going to do another pass. Uh, but this is about like the dark and sordid saga of a uh, former Disney child actor turned Bitcoin billionaire Brock Pierce and his uh, business partner, Mark Collins Rector, the yellow king of 90s Hollywood. And basically the company they had in the late 90s, Den, Digital Entertainment Network, which was sort of exposed as being like this pedophile grooming kind of ring mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And then they fled to Marbella, Spain, et cetera, et cetera. And it, I talked about in that, and maybe I'll unlock this episode before we do, before we come back to it, was I got very annoyed about this in like 2014 because Brock Pierce got named to the Bitcoin Foundation. I learned about all this like sordid uh, past and the scandal, sex scandal and everything. And uh, I found, well, somebody else found, but then I started like tracking it on Facebook. There were like these accounts which seemed to be controlled by Brock Pierce and Mark Collins Rector and Chad Shackley and like a random assortment of other people that were like really creepy. <laughs> like, hmm. right? Like really yeah. fucking creepy. And they were often posting around like Marbella, Spain and but they had like a they had like a central motif which is mentioning uh like in the in the comments on their various pictures this uh buffalo ja and they were speaking in a kind of like a broken like esl kind of english like that was how they were typing they would always type like ja 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 you know yep. the way spanish speakers say ha 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 mm-hmm. but so it's like it wasn't 100% clear like whether or not these were actually the guys that they were kind of like their profiles represented them as, or if they were like... They'd be like, J.A., Buffalo, Buffalo, Ja, 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 Ja. It'd be like, like, it it, it would have some kind of bizarre... Yeah, that's, I think, what they're getting at here, is they had this bizarre syntax of like, not now, Buffalo, J.A., with the ass in jail, LOL. And then like everyone immediately just goes, LOL, 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 LOL. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? This is so... And like they would have weird pictures of like a baboon like shoving its butt out, like... Like and with that, its butthole like, open, baby creature, the meat baby yeah. creature, like these kind of strange, like occultist, like deviant art, like yeah. pentagram things, the names of different demons on them, and then like yeah. some of the guys in this group had another Lord of the Rings a, a, thing too, right? They had like the black speech on them, yeah, the ring. Was that uh, from Lord of the Rings? I forget. They definitely had some Lord of the Rings like text on that deviant art pentagram. Uh, this is in our episode. I You're think. right. It had like yeah. mithril type shit. Yeah. Interesting. Uh-huh. Interesting. And I mean, there's so much there. But and then some of the guys, like uh, some of the accounts that definitely seem to have just like aliases, alias names, and random pictures of like real people, but people that. Uh, looked like spooky um, had the the cover art on their Facebook page was like defense intelligence agency and shit like that and like Interpol and like even more obscure agencies like I, I think even like maybe like National Geospatial Intelligence Agency like just like these huge like banners of like the official logos of all these different agencies and they looked like spy types basically like intelligence people and they were all up in there being like lol 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 and like tagged in locations together with mark collins rector like there was so much crazy shit so i don't know i've wondered a lot about the language thing because like 
you know, if you were a debunker, you might say, well, you know, like these guys are all American. Why would they talk like that? They're in Marbella, Spain. It's obviously like some Spanish people, but then I have no idea like why, who, like what random person would do this on Facebook? Like it's so fucking specific and weird. Yeah, we had some speculation about who Buffalo J.A. might be, right? You're right, you're right. I mean, I've speculated multiple times and it's always in my brain. Like I think when I posted on like the Bitcoin talk forums, uh, that was one of my first like sort of, you know, uh, paranoid investigations that I like put up on that. I think it speculated there was like some Hollywood kind of like fuck boy type that was like tangentially connected to Brock Pierce that had those initials. And then I like, if you, if anybody reads that, like uh, I denounced that, that was, I think I barked up the wrong tree or whatever. But then I don't know, J a uh, Julian Assange. <laughs> I don't know. He isn't. He was in jail mm. uh, around that time. Huh, was, uh, when did he get jail. arrested? Yeah, you're right. When did he yeah. get arrested? Like, um, didn't he get actually arrested in like 2013 or something uh, like that? I'm not sure. I don't remember. Top I would have head. to go back and check. Like, the 2019 timeline. is what Google says if I put that in. But um, oh, well, he was hiding in the embassy for right, a yeah, year yeah, yeah. in like the uh, God. What was it? The um, Bolivian it was a, yeah, the London. Ecuadorian embassy. Or, um, sorry, the Ecuadorian embassy. In 2012, yeah. while he was on bail, he was granted political okay. asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Um, yeah, so one yeah. could construe that as being uh, in jail, LOL. Perhaps, Jaga Jaga. yes. Maybe. Mm. But, well, I maybe mean, that, they were speculating that, about him, you know, about to be in jail, you know. Um, uh, yeah, but the, there's like a there's like a, a creepy malicious like glee that yeah, all these and the way they have, all like come whenever, in and just type like lol 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 uh, like uh, it's very weird. No one acts that way. Um, it's no, all very strange. And, and why was like why was uh, Chad Shackley, who was one of the three like co-conspirators of Den, like very was Mark Collins Rector's like fifteen year old boyfriend, like when they first met over the internet, like his Facebook profile. Was in, it was his picture, but it was his name was Kevin Collins, which uh, that actually might have been my portal to to learning about Aquino for the first time because then I googled Kevin Collins and he was one of the original milk carton kids from the early eighties who was kidnapped, I think on Divisadero Street in San Francisco in the early eighties, and there's like a very eccentric like old hippie Marin County guy that used to blog a lot. And was like a huge uh, protester of Bohemian Grove. And he wrote a lot of like wild shit about like mm-hmm. what actually happened. At, like he was full on like the child sacrifice. Like this is before Alex Jones, <laughs> you know. Um, he was writing stuff about this before Alex Jones like infiltrated, quote unquote. Um, but I remember he told like an insane story about how like Kevin Collins was abducted by Michael Aquino and taken to Bohemian Grove for like the summer sacrifice where like Bill Clinton, George Bush, future Pope uh, Ratzinger, <laughs> future Pope Benedict, and like a bunch of other power, and like Henry Kissinger uh, sacrificed this boy in like a satanic mass and shit. <laughs> and I think that's the first time I'm like, who's this Lieutenant Colonel Michael? And then like my world was forever changed. <laughs> all that shit. And so, um, I mean, even if that's like not true, the he was sacrificed at Bohemian Grove. This was a kid who was famously kidnapped in the 80s when it was on milk cartons everywhere. And this guy's like, this guy who was implicated in a pedophile scandal is like using the nickname of a stolen boy. Like this is like some Johnny Gosh shit. Mm-hmm. This is like, I mean, I'd still, 
And of course, yeah, like if it's not actually them, then I mean, I didn't have the impression from it that it was like somebody who hated these guys that was like parodying them. I don't know. Like, did you sense any of that? Because I kind of didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Like it was too arcane for me. The code element of it, I feel like it can't be like a code because as I recall, like, again, it was mostly LOL. And Buffalo J.A. and then Buffalo J.A. And Buffalo I feel like, J.A. Yeah, what yeah. what information could there be in there? Like it would only it would still have to be like, you know, just words. Like I'm not sure. Well, I guess maybe letters could stand for it, but still it would be like the same message repeated. Right. And I'm not well, sure how even a cartographer would be able to decode it. If it like the I think it actually might not be. And, and this is going to get ooh, and we're going to get schizo here. But the I, I don't think like cryptography maybe is what like the the text in the, in the post or like the comments was but it does remind me of like at least what was alleged uh during uh, pizzagate right mm-hmm. and uh, and actually has been borne out somewhat to some extent in all these leaks about the epstein you know epstein's interactions with like jess staley at jp morgan chase and other like powerful people where they're clearly like I forget who it was. Maybe it was Ehud Barak or it was another somebody who was super tight with where like in Epstein's, uh, you know, schedule planner, like he constantly has these like bizarre references to like Jess Daly is like coming by the island today. Like make sure you have his chilled white wine ready for him. And then like later it's like follow up on white wine. And it's like, okay dude like this guy and it's like always white wine and then he's like like one time he's messaging him like jeff i'm hanging out in the island right now with a crisp glass of white wine just thinking like thank you so much and it's like wow this motherfucker really loves white wine and like huh. that's definitely mm. a code for something and then when he was saying maybe to, i mean, I mean just no no wait wait, wait, wait. i'm not done i'm wine. not done All right, okay. no 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 you know you're not gonna debunk this no then when he's talking to jess staley uh, Jess Daly is like talking about like spent some time with Snow White last night. And then he's like, they're referencing Disney characters. And then he's like, well, what do you want to hang out with another Disney character? Or like maybe Beauty and the Beast. And he's like, well, one of them's available. Like they're clearly talking as oh, a Oh yeah, code that for, is definitely you know I mean? a code. Or like, yeah, or what are we referring to? Like people like who act in like Disney shows or something. Uh, we've like, been trafficked, but like, no, no, but I mean, I think in this yeah. case, like, they were using, like, Snow White, Cinderella as, like, stand-in codes the way, like, yeah. you know, John Podesta was like, get me 30,000 hot dogs to the White House, <laughs> like, or whatever the fuck. Um, I, or, like, you know, I want a pizza-related, I found a pizza-related map or something like that. Mm-hmm. The other one was, the, just to the, just the really underline this in the Epstein thing, I forget who this was, but another person always wanted a fully charged iPod like waiting for them when they arrived and then he has these like constant follow-up things like did you arrange the ipod like where's the ipod make sure the ipod's ready and it's like every single time like this guy just needs a fully charged ipod well like no fucking way like that like you know what i mean like this is a code for is a it drugs is it girls is weird yeah for sure um, and, and like always like the the constant banter about white wine like in that context is like pretty sus yeah like it, juxtaposed with the the fully charged ipod i could see the white wine being in, in isolation i could see it actually being white wine but juxtaposed with the fully charged ipod like if you want and, and multiple the, ipods it's weird <laughs> like you need a well, new it's just ipod like, it's every like time have you come. his 
have his iPod ready, like for like fully charged. It's like what is there like child porn on that? Like uh, I don't even think he's talking about an iPod. And uh, yeah, it must and, be yeah, drugs just, or something, or like you know, or kids or so. I don't know. Yeah, like um, that's what he was known for providing. So so when I think about like the I that's the way I kind of see the Buffalo JA messages is like their code amongst like friends and people who are you know doing stuff together they're clear it's like an inside joke like they're they're kind of posting semi-publicly about it on facebook but and maybe the broken english thing is just sort of like a basic kind of way to kind of cloud up like their interactions and stuff like at first glance you'd be like oh there's like some random spanish people like talking about you know what i mean and uh, when like it just might be a layer of uh, kind of mystifying the whole thing, um, like a very basic kind of measure to use. And then the references they make of like, yeah, Buffalo J in jail. I remember at the time thinking like maybe Buffalo J was like a sex worker or something they were all familiar with. Cause there seemed to be some almost like rent boy kind of accounts that were also in this like very discreet circle of maybe like a dozen accounts and stuff like that so that's generally how i think about it like i wouldn't rule out that there's a kind of i felt like the pictures actually they were so weird not saying there's like a steganography thing going on but like in terms of what do the pictures really what are they really referring to and like what do they represent i mean this is a guy who's like mark holland's rector registered sex offender convicted like brock pierce like not convicted but disgraced was arrested by Interpol in 2003 where it was reported there was a bunch of child porn and guns in their house. And then like there's these accounts where they're hanging out with like their friends with Interpol agents. It all just feels very, you know, oh, you got arrested and now you're a federal like asset of some kind. And then you become a Bitcoin billionaire and then you go to Puerto Rico and now you're getting in. I I, I don't know if I shared it on any social media, but I found a picture of Brock Pierce with uh, our good friend Zappy. Um, mm-hmm. not too long ago. Oh, they were right. at a psychedelics yeah, conference that. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think Brock might be pivoting, of course, also years-long relationship with Steve Bannon, right. going back to like, to, Steve Bannon steered 50 mil in Goldman Sachs money to uh, his like gold farming World of Warcraft like venture, which is like predated Bitcoin and is like sus in its own right. And, you know, Mark Holland's director is still out there. Like they did a, as we... I think we talked about in the Mooney episode with John Gorenfeld, who I uh, met to talk about this with in like 2014. He was going to do a big article tracking down Mark Collins' rector and then like BuzzFeed like preempted him and was like, oh, we like found him in Belgium, but like they didn't actually lay eyes on him. They just were like told he was in an apartment. They heard like a man coughing inside. They're like, there he is. And like, end of story. Nobody can, nothing to look into here. Maybe we'll find out more because I just heard that, um, director brian singer is gonna be self-financing like a documentary like to exonerate himself that's funny (laughs) from being a pedo he was part of the he was wrapped up in this whole thing in 2014 he got sued and was able to like really beat it i mean to the point where it's funny that the article i saw this last week was like oh canceled director like didn't his movie win a fucking oscar like two years ago bohemian rhapsody even though he got thrown off the set for being like a psychotic asshole. Hmm. Like he didn't even finish the movie, but like surprisingly in all the goodwill about that film, Brian Singer was sort of able to, he might've gotten kind of 
soft canceled for his behavior on set because I don't know if he always I don't know I've I've heard I remember meeting there was a, a girl I met years ago who's like a little older and to, just told me anecdotally that he was constantly bringing like like very young like twinks like definitely probably underage on set and uh doing stuff with them in his director's tent just like in front of everybody who gives a fuck you know so that's the kind of like milieu that we're uh i guess uh, talking about a very scary milieu i would say yeah i definitely could see it being like yeah i agree i I feel like it's not like i feel like there's just the messages are so repetitive that i'm not sure if there's like something encoded in it but it might be like an inside joke type like yeah like it could be like you know, there's an understood meaning among the group. Um, mm-hmm. And that I think that the image is probably like, I think that, yeah, the sort of darkness and like the sort of nefarious suggestions like of the images or the sinister kind of connotations of them are part of the point. Like they were kind of playing around with like being evil and spooky and like they either they're supposed to be yeah. meant to be like sort of shocking pictures. Right. Like uh, mm-hmm. even though like like you said, it's like kind of like deviant art like shit, you know, like um, or just like a stock photo of like two chimpanzees like dressed up in fancy flamenco outfits, like ballroom dancing with each other. And then <laughs> everyone's like, LOL, LOL, LOL Buffalo LOL. J, LOL, LOL. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, but I mean, yeah, it definitely th- did I, seem I, like there was some person who they were like mocking. But heard this exactly like, it, it, like there was a malice yeah. there was a real like a gleeful like yeah. hey, 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 like cackling malice to like yeah. like uh, buffalo jays like in our dungeon like they <laughs> fucked with us and now they're paying and i mean there was stuff that like the, the marcos rector account was posting like you know location dots and like pictures from being on vacation in europe and like they were going into cities they were like arriving in cities and like being in the same neighborhood as like some of Brock Pierce's business partners, like on the same exact day and stuff. So it, it really, after a while, started to feel like, you know, like I think these, this is actually them. Like they, they, they're, they've always been on the internet. I mean, I think I remember finding that, um, I think Gorenfeld found that after the whole den thing and even well into like the Brock Pierce's IGE era that, Mark Collins Rector, I think Chad Shackley got like exposed in like another MMORPG game. I forget what it was called, but like somebody figured out who they were and they were kind of like grooming like teenage boys like in this other MMORPG and were very active on the forums and stuff. And then somebody like on the forums finally kind of like figured out who they were and like looked them up and were like, oh my God and stuff. So I know, you know, and there were allegations in the lawsuit uh, with the IGE co-founder uh, i want to say alan de bonneville that um mark collins rector was like the shadow force behind IGE. like brock pierce once again was the disney child actor puppet like the face of it all but you know because mark collins rector was like a registered sex offender child trafficker at that point and i guess i think maybe either still fugitive or went back and like served a year or two i think in jail in the u.s so like that would mean that Steve Bannon, you know, would have been giving $50 million to like actually Mark Collins Rector, who also went on to be a Navy contractor building underwater drones for the Navy in the 2010s uh, in Florida, I think, or his brother based in Florida, something like that. So he's getting Navy contracts after 
all of this shit happened. And also to be one of the earliest ISP providers. Like he owned an early ISP thing for the internet, like back in the 80s. And that's how he made his his millions at the time when he sold it in the 90s and then moved to Hollywood. And uh, it's still, still one of the darkest things I've ever like really looked into i don't know maybe i was just younger but it really gave me like the heebie-jeebies as to like there were certain people that were also looking into it that got kind of like low-key death threats for continuing to post on the bitcoin forums about it it was just weird it was weird and you know nobody was epstein pilled back then nobody like knew brock pierce like john oliver hadn't made fun of him yet so like you just sounded like a whack job like bringing it up to people and it was like, I, I felt like not a targeted individual, but like a lonely noited individual that was like, I need to save Buffalo J.A. Like, what the fuck? Like, and just all these Bitcoin idiots are just like, he's cool. Like, he likes Bitcoin. See, there we go again. Yeah. Like, he says he Bitcoin is the future. Yeah. So he's a heckin' Bitcoin advocate. Yeah. So how could he be bad? And I'm like, you realize it's going to like smear the whole community is like being a bunch of like sus pedos or whatever. Y'all don't mind. I guess they, they didn't really mind. And I guess it didn't matter because it just got griftier and exploded in value after that. But all the bullshit exploded along with it. So I don't know. I think we'll probably dig deeper into like what uh, there may be some clues in like what Brock Pierce has been up to in, you know, the more the last even just the last few years that uh, when we do that future episode, we can. Uh, maybe shed some light on the Buffalo J.A. mystery, but it is a mystery. It certainly is. I'm reading about, it was Jess Stanley of J.P. Morgan uh, with the white wine situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And And he also was was the the one that... Disney princess person, yeah. See, so he's talking about Disney princesses and white wine, like... Come on, it definitely you know. has been suggested by others that the his insatiable lust for white wine is a code for something else. I mean, the Disney princesses is pretty uh, unambiguous. Some people say like um, he attempted to arrange Disney character experiences from young women he was trafficking. So <laughs> it's dressing them up, it's like, possible that uh, he actually was dressing them up as Disney characters. Oh um, that is the most fucked up Disney adult thing I yeah. will have think ever heard in my entire life. Like that, burn it down. Like it's just it's evil. Wow. Um, Ugh. Yes. Yeah. So Apparently, and I mean he yeah so family was really into like sexualizing Disney characters. One former J.P. Morgan executive's deep-rooted obsession with sexualizing Disney princesses was exposed in newly unsealed court records. So I mean, yeah, I guess. The court records, like reading them on the service, could be a code, but also it seems like I yeah. gotta say the the hits just keep on coming with this Epstein. I mean, I know it's because of like the the Virgin Islands kind of lawsuit case that all this is coming out, but like some real heavy hitters getting tarred with the uh, Epstein brush. I mean, appropriately so. I but can't find the iPod story though. Yeah, I wanted to learn more about the fully charged iPod. Um, the fully charged iPod and like it's for me it really it's like it's the follow-up things for me like when he keeps writing like make sure you have the iPod is the iPod secured like really how long does it take to fucking wine um, yeah and like yeah. same with the white wine it's like do you, and he's not specifying like like I feel like if okay maybe he's bougie and he wants a specific type of white wine that's like blah blah but he doesn't specify like you know get the Chardonnay or like get the nineteen eighty two Pinot Grigio because like, the Disney princess thing is like obviously sex trafficking so it doesn't really matter if the white wine is a code or not 
I almost feel like maybe not because like then they would just like almost borderline openly talk about it apparently, but it also could mean or, well like, unless white wine white means wine, something else or yeah. Well, also mean, maybe that's like maybe that's like uh, cocaine, and then the Disney princesses are it is white, right? Yeah, so, I mean they also like, use may, like work knows? and massage and stuff, but wait, but who was the fully charged iPod guy? Because I'm like trying to find who it was, and like I don't know, uh, I can't find it unfortunately, um, but. Yeah, God, a lot I of stuff. I if I search it. Epstein iPod, just comes up a bunch of times where he like used he gifted people's iPods uh, to like groom them. It was in one of the recent, like one of the more recent articles, uh, but I'm sort of blanking on like which one. It was one that talked about like Jess Daly and uh, and I think probably Bill Gates, and it, it was had to be one of these Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. articles that had come out. So I wonder what the the Wall Street Journal is kind of like. They're really on one lately. Oh, yeah, and CIA Director William Burns, of course, former ambassador to Russia. And we can't forget our, our most serious Peter uh, Thiel as well. intellectual. Yeah, Chomsky too. Yeah. Peter Thiel. Yeah, you're right. Like Peter Thiel, Noam Chomsky, like really going through the hits the last mm-hmm. month or so. Uh, Lawrence Summers, obviously. We already knew about him. But, um, but yeah, current CIA Director Bill Gates and Peter Thiel, that's like all of the sort of big, powerful boogeymen of our time, left and right were kind of, and everywhere in between, were uh, hanging out very intently with him. So let's see, May 20, might have been, uh, appeared to threaten, oh wait, uh, was it Jeffrey Epstein's private calendar? Jeffrey Epstein moved $270,000 from Noam Chomsky <laughs> and Leon Botstein. Um, ha- has there been any more updates on, has Chomsky uh given any more statements about not that i've seen um in terms of chomsky and epstein Mm. yeah how about people who worship and uh stand him endlessly uh for decades uh Uh, look i'm just saying uh chomsky is the one person i could see having a totally innocent relationship (laughs) (laughs) um all right no there were some great takes Um, that was sincerely something that someone actually said like um yes they did after like after all of like his arrests and after his like you know and chomsky being like he paid his debt to society when someone's arrested and they go to prison that means (laughs) they've served their time and as far as i'm concerned all right could go on to traffic uh hundreds more yeah Yeah. like shut the fuck up chomsky uh well he got to have dinner with a great (laughs) great artist woody allen which is the funniest thing to me in the world like let's see uh, yeah Liz Wexner, the, whatever article I was reading had like a ton of like block quotes from the text messages. Oh yeah, and uh, Ariane de Rothschild, the head of a Swiss private bank, negotiated a twenty-five million dollar contract with Epstein in twenty fifteen. He has a teacher for you to teach you how to speak Russian. She is two times eight years old, not blonde. Lessons are free, and you can have first today if you call. Did he send that to Bill Gates? I don't know. It's for Jeffrey Jean-Luc. Oh, Jean-Luc Brunel. Yeah, Jean-Luc. Who also died in his uh, cell. um, Yeah. Kind of mysteriously. Yeah, he was obviously uh, two times eight. Yikes. Yeah. I uh, I guess it's a message for him from. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I think he would he would procure uh, like you know, underage, like, models and things like that. Yeah, Ehud Barak. Very funny they would write two times eight, like, as if that's, like, oh, wow, It's more sus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's also sus because it makes me think that that (laughs) he's, like, using, yeah, at first 88, and then also, like, 
like maybe he normally says eight years old or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, or maybe you meant know. two eight-year-olds. You never know with Jeffrey. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, da, 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 a dunk tank. Uh, in 2020 interview with a dunk tank podcast, Mr. Chomsky said that people he considered worse than Epstein had donated MIT. He didn't mention any of his meetings with him. Very cool. Um, oh, yeah. Also, uh, Leonard Botstein, the president of Bard College since 1975. Yeah. Bard College, big L He there. was actually even more like financially involved with Epstein than Chomsky was, mm-hmm. it seemed like. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. And uh, Aaron Moulton had mentioned to me that, because now there's a partnership between like the Soros, like I think Central European University and Bard, like they've sort of partnered together. But he was saying that like, no, like the Soros, especially I think through his wife at the time in the 90s or in the 80s and the 90s, like they had much deeper involvement in kind of the forming of Bard College itself than is kind of widely acknowledged. Because like Bard, I always assume Bard had to be like one of these old ass liberal arts colleges, but apparently it's not. Oh, wait, no, it's 1860. Wait, so it is. How confusing. Um, wow, Leon Botstein, still the president. Maybe it yeah. switched at a certain... They might have been converted from like a girl's college or something like that. No, I mean, it's been around. I don't know where I got from that. Maybe it's like the art school there is new, but like the college is older. Know. But yeah, they are founding members of the Open Society University Network, I guess. And they've been declared an undesirable institution in Russia. The first international mm-hmm. higher education institution to be branded with designation... Bard President Botstein hypothesized this tag was either their association with and funding from the Open Society Foundations. That yeah, would do it. And George Soros, yeah. So, mm. Bar- uh, Did you know that Bard has been named a top producer of U.S. Fulbright scholars? Hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. The Bard MFA. I think that might be the Milton Avery Graduate School of the Arts. This might be what I'm referring to is because it was founded in 1981. I think oh, this I is ranked as one of the yeah. 10 most influential MFA uh, programs but Epstein actually through Botstein donated a lot of money to Bard it seems like yeah like, he did. all the gifts he did. that like you know that was Botstein's like excuse basically that like he didn't benefit mm-hmm. from it they all went to Bard which is like almost more <laughs> fucking sus um yeah, yeah yeah I mean Bard it seemed like Bard MIT and Harvard were really like the major ones that he focused on like uh the MIT Media Lab which uh God, I think for a while was run by John Negroponte's brother. And John Negroponte, I just refreshed on this, was close college, uh, close friends at Yale with uh, Mr. Porter Goss, mm-hmm. who uh, went to the Fessenden School in Massachusetts where Dewey Claridge's first cousin ran a pedophile ring there for like 26 years, including around the time, right, he started teaching there right around the time, little Porter Goss, uh, started attending there as a kid. Uh, talk about groomers. What else with MIT? And then Marvin Minsky has been like, he's dead now, but he was a big MIT person. I think pretty close with Chomsky. And yeah, he was like <laughs> accused of, uh, I forget if it was by Virginia Jeffrey or not, but like, you know, he, he's, he's like accused of actually like, you know, having sex with underage girls and stuff. So another, you know, MIT sicko up there. Wow. A lot of people went to Bard. Uh, Chevy Chase, Adam Youch from uh, Beastie Boys, 
Peter Sarsgaard, Ronan Farrow, Mia Farrow, Steely Dan, Sus Steely Dan, hmm. Tom Ford, also kind of sus, Joel and Ethan Cohen, Francis Bean Cobain. Wow, okay. It's a type. Roy Lichtenstein, Tony Morrison, Neil Gaiman, Hannah Arendt, oh, I didn't Saul Bellow. Neil Gaiman went to Bard, really? That seems weird. Yeah, he did. Oh, I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Kind of, but he's also like English, so it's weird to me that he would come all the way to America to go to college. Well, I guess, yeah, I don't know. It is kind of weird. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Oh, and uh, Masha Gessen, our favorite uh, Pootler fighter. Very cool. Lots of heavy hitters in the arts and shit like that. Oh, was I guess he, Neil was Gaiman he became a professor at Bard. Oh. He didn't attend Bard. Oh, interesting. Um, that makes a little bit more sense. Hmm. And James Cox Chambers, an American billionaire heir, pictured here like holding up a sunflower in a sus way. Son of the former U.S. ambassador to Belgium. Oh, and Democratic nominee for president, James M. Cox. Just never know. Wow, I didn't people. realize that uh, Neil Gaiman's father was a public relations official for the Church of Scientology. His father? Yeah. Wow. Wait a minute. I found okay. I'm glad I clicked on this random guy, James Cox Chambers, the uh, the American billionaire heir, renewable energy businessman, biodynamic farmer, and filmmaker who has a net worth of about four point seven billion dollars. Um, you know who his uh, second wife, uh, or I guess maybe either his first or second wife. Do you know who that was? Uh, Amanda Palmer. No, not 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 Neil Gaiman. Oh, okay. um, this guy, James Cox Chambers, who. I guess, yeah, like a billionaire, like literally it has $4 billion. Oh, yeah, no, his current, what, his second and current $4.7 billion, wow. Oh, this is a, another Bard College graduate. Yes, um, it is, I yeah. See. But but you see, you know who he's married to? Uh, Nabila Khashoggi. Oh, interesting. The daughter of Adnan Khashoggi. Wow, all right. <laughs> or I'm sorry, Khashoggi. Yeah, uh, you know, want to fuck up the audio SEO as much as possible. But no, yep, um, Adnan Khashoggi's daughter. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Oh, interesting. Margaret Hamilton, who is the mother of his first wife, was uh, the director of the software engineering division of the MIT Instrumentation Laboratory, which developed onboard flight software for NASA's Apollo program. Hmm, interesting. Wow, many Int- I mean, illustrious God, Bard alumni here. All right. Yeah, I mean, still, it, it, that's con- my impression of Bard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've been there before. I I had a girlfriend, and just so everyone I knows, I know that. every time I mention them having girlfriends in the past, everyone's like, "Ooh, not very halal, Khalid." You know full well I haven't been Muslim my whole life. Yes, I've had girlfriends. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I didn't realize you were catching flack for. Uh, well, I say having. everyone, but I mean like I know a couple of times people like you know uh, in the comments uh, said something, but um. But anyway, mm. so yeah, I had an annex who went to Bard, so I've been there once or twice. I didn't really get any sus vibes at the time, but I didn't really explore uh, deeply or like, you know, see any classes or anything. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it's hard, hard to kind of tell, you know, at first She was glance, pretty normal. She didn't become age. sus. Um, I think she's just like a nurse now or something. Um, yeah i think uh like ultra like lab <laughs> you know like uh, <laughs> just like well nerd. i forget i think the art yeah. school like the maybe the master's art school in particular is like where uh the maybe like the most sussness might be concentrated i guess i don't know if um like epstein's money specifically went to the art you know uh part of the school but i remember aaron Moulton said that i think that there was a woman who was like in charge of uh, it might have been oh, Marta Kuzma, maybe the Ukrainian who did like the alchemic surrender ritual on like the Ukrainian battleship. 
in the 90s. I forget. I think maybe she bounced and like went to Bard in the 90s and became a professor there and now runs like the Yale art program or something like that. I could be wrong, but I think that I think that was Marta Kuzma. So I don't know. Yeah, these guys were I've seen was spreading his money around, uh, had a very full calendar. Maybe we'll get to one day like Brock Pierce's connections to Epstein because I know they exist. <laughs> yeah. Like particularly in the tech kind of overlap, like that kind of Santa Fe Institute. But you know, uh, this Ted is what Talk I'm saying. Like in the minds of these people, even though they're doing like these depraved things and like posting meat babies and like abusing like children and young, like, you know, girls and boys, like in their minds, yeah. they're still like Chad's world. You know, like they're still, it's just, still Chad's world. Yeah, it's still, it's Chad's, still Chad's world. Chad's oh my world God. In their minds. Well, you know what? Um, you know what Epstein and Brock Pierce have in common in their own way? They're both gifted children who yes, are like true. identified at a young age and brought into a world that might have fucked them up a little i mean not to totally <laughs> absolve them but like i do think that i mean i think if you get brought into that kind of yeah. thing and then like never escape it and you're like part of it your whole life like the odds of uh there's definitely a potentiality of like you know grooming somebody into sort of being like a sicko yourself yeah um, yeah i mean i've said this many times but like there's i don't really consider it to be like a much of an excuse like i i think it's understandable if you're fucked up but like if you're an abuser yourself as many people who are abused and don't become abusers you Absolutely. Know? and it's almost like Absolutely. a way to like discredit people who are abused almost to say that there's like some yeah. correlation like perhaps there is in some cases however like you know i don't think of an excuse at all like uh you know, no no definitely like, not i know. mean in fact that kind of is brock pierce's excuse about the whole den thing is yeah. that like in a way he was like i don't think he cops to actually being abused like sexually by Mark Collins Rector, but definitely kind of like psychologically manipulated right. by this evil predator who, you know, kind of like gassed him up with all these cool ideas about running a tech company and then, you know, left him holding the bat. But it's like, now nah, he was way more complicit in it than like he would have you believe. I mean, he was like 18 or 19 at that time. I mean, still obviously a kid, but like, yeah, yeah, in Brock's case, I think when I look at things like Puertopia, which he tried to oh, build, God, like down yeah, in Puerto, Puerto Rico, Rico, yeah, he's like on ayahuasca all the time. It's like I don't think this is going. I, I don't know if I don't know if he's on a healing journey. Let's put it that way, like for himself no. or others. I get bad vibes, and even without the meat baby, I would get bad vibes. But especially knowing about the meat There's baby, certainly bad vibes. This is certainly a situation where. Yeah, there's a lot of things to corroborate the vibes, but the vibes are off. They're off. Um, <laughs> they're very they're off. Very, very yeah, I mean, off. He's still friends with Steve Bannon, by the way. He talks to him all the time. Like yeah. when he ran for president in 2020. Um, yeah, Brock, you know, they've Steve been Bannon in touch. advised him a little bit. Yes, yeah, of course he did. How to do his campaign, uh, yeah. On how to build a porn and meth house, um, maybe. But yeah, spooky vibes uh, from all that. Uh, still got a crack the code of exactly whatever the fuck buffalo ja was but inshallah one day we will yes inshallah all right, right. well i think we've we've made it to yeah through pretty much all our questions here yeah um, there's one you know it's gonna be cool to let get to but we'll leave it for next time because it's so in depth it's yeah. a big one it's yeah. a big one so i think we like to start with a big one usually yeah yeah, yeah. well that we gives have the luxury of time time to talk for two hours about a single question um and mm -hmm. all various uh tangents branching off of that yeah so i think we'll probably uh i think we'll have a chance to like tackle uh maybe a couple more rounds 
uh, over the summer. Uh, yeah. I think we're right on the precipice of 2022. Again, in 2022, we're only a year so, behind-ish. So uh, if anybody wants to sign up for the uh, Awara Frequency yeah, on Patreon, uh, $5 could, a month, you will get a question answered. You, uh, it will in, be answered. It will be answered. And you will hear it as long as you are still alive a year or so after uh, you ask the question, and you will get an answer that is longer than an average podcast episode. You certainly of like, will of yes. a not subliminal jihad podcast. Yes, um. yes. <laughs> You'll get an entire podcast about your question. How many podcasts can offer that? You know, you can spend your whole commute listening to the answer to your question. It might not right? be entirely pertinent to your question directly uh, <laughs> the entire time. Uh, it might go off into like a totally different direction for thirty minutes, but but it hopefully will that's be part of the fun by of your it. question. Yeah, exactly. You never know what you're gonna get. You never yeah. know what you're gonna get. Yeah, you. So uh, yeah. All right. So thank <laughs> you to the grotto once again. Always Shout providing out to the grotto. good jumping off points for us. Yes. Um, and you know, I think I think we learned a thing or two today. We did. Um, yes. I think if anyone you know, knows the fully charged iPod story. And can find it, you know, let us know. I'll post it if I can find it again. I definitely like screenshotted it somewhere. So, yeah. yeah if I find it, I'll post it because that fully charged iPod is sus. That's like, incredibly sus. 100%. There's no reason why you would need multiple fully charged iPods every time you see somebody. Um, like, what the fuck would he be listening to? Like, you're gonna yeah, come it's over a brand to new iPod. To He's going to download like a bunch yeah, more. Like, like, is there iTunes. music on the iPod? Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. Like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, well, like, what happened? He lost his iPod it. every single time he needs to have, like, the iPod ready. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's, you have maybe to have he, that iPod he ready. He already has his playlist ready for him. But, like, why not? Yeah. we. I, I want to know more. I'm, I, 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 need to, I, need to, I need to read it. So I've heard of customer service before. But then, like, he was the client of the bank. So, like, why is he giving iPods out? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, I think it's not an iPod. Um, <laughs> it's it, just not an iPod. It seems unlikely that it would be an actual iPod. It's a little closer to uh, Buffalo JA than you know yes. would like, but um, it's no it more an iPod than a two times eight year old girl is uh, Cinderella. <laughs> yikes! 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 As always, but yeah, thank you to the Grotto again, and uh, until next time, dear listeners, stay vigilant. DJ Who's that nigga low on the street With his hands in his pockets and his crocodile feet Hanging off the curb, looking on the surf At the boys from home, they all came running They were making noise, manhandling toys That's the girls on the block with the nasty curls Wearing padded bras, sucking beer through the straws Dropping down their drawers, where did you get yours?
Deeper into your soul. 